Welcome to the Infinite Spark of Being podcast. My name is Keith Welsh, and in this episode, I'm going to be talking to you about purpose and what that means to me. Um, Before we get into all of that, if you'd like to support the ongoing creation of the Infinite Spark of Being, you can do that at theinfinitesparkofbeing.com, where you can find links to books, uh, t-shirts, tank tops, hoodies, art prints, as well as a link to the Patreon page where you can pledge a $1 or $5 a month donation to the Infinite Spark of Being. Um, also, I did not know this, but apparently you can also donate through the podcast distributor, Red Circle. Some of you have been doing this. However, please know that I can't tell who donated and I can't send a fun message. So that's weird for me. I sent them an email and we'll see what happens. But if you've donated through Red Circle, let me say thank you. Um, When you guys donate money, it means a lot to me. When you guys spend money on books and shirts and all this stuff, it means so much. Um, Because it means that hopefully I can spend more time focusing on the infinite spark of being. Um, I know what it takes for me to earn money, what I have to go through in a week at my job. Um, Our money or uh, electronic point system is something that we earn with our time on earth. We we earn it with prana. We earn it with, with time away from the people we love or the things we love to do. So when you pass that along to me, it's, it's a big deal. It's always shocking to me, and I appreciate it so much. Thank you. Um, so here we are, purpose. Uh, let's get started. So purpose is weird. For me, my purpose, so to speak, has evolved and changed over the years. Um, At times I felt really attached to it, which made the inevitable changes of life very painful. And at other times when I was in more of a flow state and saying yes to more things, it was easy to let go and move on to the next thing. Um, What's bothersome to me is that I find so many people in the this spiritual game and even some therapists in my field urge people to find a purpose as if it's going to save them or satiate them. Well, I mean, it might for a time they might feel better, but eventually they slip back into dissatisfaction. That's why understanding the Buddha's four noble truths is so important, or at least coming to terms with the first three. Um, One, being that life is fundamentally unsatisfying. Two, that that dissatisfied feeling is perpetuated and initiated by by grasping and clinging. And then three, that grasping and clinging is happening in the mind. So then we work with the mind to liberate ourselves from that grasping and clinging. Now, before this starts to sound like I'm advocating for a purposeless, rudderless existence, let me clarify I am not saying to float through life like a feckless, drooling pod person, but what I'm saying is don't get attached. Do what you do while you do it and move on. That's the lesson of the Bhagavad Gita. That's what Krishna is trying to get Arjuna to understand. So let's look at the definition for the word purpose. Purpose means the reason for which something is done or created or for which something exists. 
That last part is obviously where I'm hung up. The reason something exists, that is weird to me. Um, are you trying to find a reason to exist? If so, we have much bigger problems than you simply needing purpose or a hobby or whatever. And in case you need to be reminded, exist means the fact or state of living or having an objective reality. If you've been following this podcast, you know why that's a problem for me. So yeah. Anyway, back to this word purpose. Uh, this, so purpose, um, this thing, this uh, activity, this status, this role in your life uh, or your role in someone else's life is going to be why you exist? Yeah, I'm, I'm sure that'd be fine with all of life's absolute and permanent nature. That should work out good. Hopefully you're hearing the sarcasm in my voice. If not, and you're just finding this podcast, let me catch you up. Uh, there is no permanence. Um, everything that you love and care for will cease to exist or change in a way that causes you a lot of dissatisfaction. So enjoy it. And I mean that. Seriously, you have to love the shit out of this. All of it. Anyway. Um, now, when I look at my own life up until this point, I feel that there is definitely a direction. But I hesitate to call it purpose. I mean, it feels... There's definitely a theme, right? It's not like I feel purpose. But I would say that there's a criteria that I use to choose the next step. But again, is that the reason I exist? I mean, that doesn't feel true or, or accurate for me. I mean, if something were to happen and I could no longer stick with this theme, so to speak, I'd probably just move on and do whatever shows up next. But, but I don't know. I mean, I might fall apart. I have no idea. Um, so, you know, as very serious spiritual seekers... We know that, um, that all of this is transient and that all things are in a constant state of change or fluctuation. Well, uh, what does that mean for finding purpose? Finding a reason to exist. And does that create conflict when it comes to self-liberation? After all, I mean, aren't we trying to liberate ourselves from the cycle of suffering and dissatisfaction? Grasping and clinging, et cetera, et cetera. I mean... Feeling that you have a purpose is fine as long as you're not expecting it to fully sustain you, satiate you, and, and, and remain unchanging forever and ever. I, mean, I see too many people fall into this trap all the time. So we see that fluctuation is constant. And what we're attempting to attain here with all this spiritual stuff is equanimity. And equanimity in the face of that constant fluctuation and change. That, that equanimity that that rests in awareness, that, that is awareness. Now, we see that the root of dissatisfaction is grasping and clinging, okay? Well, grasping and clinging after and clinging to a perceived purpose is a dicey thing. The question really becomes, can you look for or grasp at purpose, inevitably cling to it for a time and then let it go? What happens when that purpose gets tangled up with the ego and with self-concept? Well, we already know that when the ego gets mixed up in all this stuff, as it does, 
it doesn't like to let go of it, no matter how maladaptive or detrimental this thing gets. The ego has very sharp teeth. Um, I like to say that it's like a new government organization that gets established to solve a current problem. The organization is here to solve a problem that it can't exist without. Well, do you think that this organization is going to solve this problem and draw an end to its own existence and put all these people out of work? No. That's not how this... That's not how the organization gets organized in the first place. Well, the ego is the same way. Well, why is that? Why does the ego do that? Well, there's an evolutionary reason for it. And uh, this reason is why we need to watch it. Uh, it's why we have to keep an eye on this thing. Uh, once we know these things, right? We know that these things are possible, that these things can happen. Then we can watch them happen and pull it loose before it gets too tangled up. So... The evolutionary significance of the ego has everything to do with identity. Identity, purpose, purpose, identity. Remember, ego is self-importance, personal identity, and reality testing, reality testing, being that you pinch an object and you don't feel it because you're not the object. Now, none of this is bad. It just is. And I can't stress that enough. Don't get neurotic about avoiding it. It's going to happen. So at one point, um, our identity in a tribe or village was vital to our well-being. If we didn't have a job or purpose, others didn't have a use for us. We were then a liability. Now, this seems crazy considering our culture at this point. And I know this is hard to believe in our current culture, but being a liability doesn't jive with us humans. We don't want to be the weak link. When we feel like we're the weak link, we perceive either rightly or wrongly that we're being pushed to the outside. And this outsider feeling is being, uh, or being perceivably excluded registers in the brain where physical pain registers. And we will do anything not to feel that way. Well, if you're like me uh, and you thrive off of that excluded feeling, then you'll mitigate it by bringing others with you to the outside so that you can, unbeknownst to you, feel better about your exclusion. Um, when I realized that, that was a real aha moment for me, and I'm sure some of you are probably having that right now. So we've started to understand the reason for the search for purpose, and hopefully we can see the potential trap as well. Um, and that trap looks like this, for instance. Um, let's see. Uh, and remember, this is all rooted in the subconscious, meaning that it is outside of our current awareness. But when our identity is centered around helping, uh, let's, say, let's say our identity is centered around helping others, for instance. We, we look for others that need our help. We don't know that we're doing it. But remember, the subconscious mind sees what it's looking for. Remember that Michael Beckwith quote, energy flows where the attention goes. So after a while, our minds find those in need to be more valuable because they need us. And again, we don't know that we're doing it, but it's happening. The mind is an algorithm. We keep clicking on these things. Remember, the mind and body have a separate agenda than we do. Uh, and it's why we experience thoughts and memories that we'd rather not experience. And it's why we feel things we'd rather not feel. Now, 
this is just a scenario I've singled out, but think about it for a minute. Think about how this applies to these to various scenarios in our day-to-day life. If my identity or purpose is centered around those that I perceive as in need, what happens if there's no more people who need me? Is that in the best interest of my ego or my subconscious mind? Based on what we know about the subconscious mind, the ego, the nature of the mind as a whole, will my subconscious mind allow me to see otherwise? You see the problem here. If the mind perceives helping those in need as a way to survive and thrive because that's my purpose, what signal do you think it will send into my body when I can't find people to fulfill that purpose? Maybe it might be sending me feelings of being directionless, depressed, rudderless. It might, it might struggle to find a point or a purpose in life. Again, I'm not advocating for doing nothing, but we have to be aware of all of it, all of the pitfalls. We cannot become attached to purpose. And I'm telling you this because I've done it. I work in mental health and addiction. And believe me, I understand this. That's why I'm talking about this. So it's not just that we need to watch our minds, what our minds are doing, but we also need to keep an eye on these folks that are eager to help us. After all, it's their purpose to help, right? That's why they exist. We see it all the time, especially in politics, in leadership, management. Do you get what I'm saying? Now, apply this scenario to a romantic relationship. It gets very interesting. It's, it's something to think about. So run that one through your evolutionary filter. <laughs> now, uh, let's run this through our spirituality filter. Um, Everything I've been describing we can see has a biological significance as our uh, evolutionary wiring is centered around staying alive in order to thrive and procreate. Well, if we're soul, if we're divine beings of light having this human experience, does the biology apply to the soul? I notice that we tend to anthropomorphize things quite a bit, and that means that we apply human traits to something that isn't human, i.e. God. Why would God have human traits? You know, these human traits like jealousy, for instance, I am a jealous God, have an evolutionary significance. Jealousy is due to, I don't know, the fear of not mating. So why would God experience jealousy, right? So... When we're talking about soul, my opinion is that the soul isn't human and therefore doesn't experience these human traits. Soul can't care about the things that we care about. It has, in my belief, in my understanding of these things through the Vedas, etc., has no biological, biological imperatives. It's free of those things. So, you know, just real quick as a side note, I think I'm going to do an episode on why, why the Vedas, like why them. So... And why not a uh, indigo child on YouTube that channels beans from a distant star system for your spiritual edification? So if the soul uh, is not a biological entity, why would I treat it like that? Why would I anthropomorphize the soul? Well, we do it because as humans, we, we, want to un- we want to understand something. So we apply human traits to it. We do it with animals. We do it with plants. We do it with God. We're getting our thinking mind confused with soul. That's kind of what's happening, in, in my opinion. 
uh, we as soul have the mind as the subtle body, but it's not who we are, right? Think of it like this, like, uh, I have a foot, it's my foot, but that foot is not who I am, right? I have hands, these, they're definitely my hands, but they're not who I am. They're not even what I am. If I, if I send my foot somewhere else, my two places at once, if I keep my finger in a glass jar in Thailand, will I begin saying, a piece of me lives in Thailand? <laughs> I'm being silly, but you get the point. So, I mean, if we run that ex exercise through our entire body, I mean, you see what you get. So, yes, the soul has the mind as the subtle body, but it's not who or what the soul is. In fact, I'll say this, the soul isn't a who. The concept of who is still the ego, it's the mind. Now, when we look at purpose, we see that this is the ego. We are satiating the mind. We're always satisfying the mind because of how it makes the body feel. What the mind perceives, the body will feel. If the mind perceives a lack of purpose, the body will feel that. Purpose is, like most things, a matter of perception. What, what is you know, what is perception? A way of regarding, interpreting, and understanding. All subjective. So apply what we know about the subjective nature of reality uh, and some of the more broader statements that we hear about purpose. Statements like, the purpose of life is to be a good person. Well, who's deciding? Well, that depends on which side of this nonsensical, nonsensical political spectrum you're standing on. So you see, purpose is tricky. Um, grasping and clinging to a perceived purpose can be a karmic shit show if we're not resting in that awareness thing, right? In soul. So after all that, I say go for it. <laughs> but enjoy. Have fun. Have fun getting stuck. Have fun digging yourself out. Getting stuck and wandering off the path is half the fun of the spiritual game. But only if we're dedicated to growth. Because growth happens through adversity, through difficulty, through discomfort, which all come down. They all happen when we wander off the path, right? It's okay to get lost. Always keep a foot in the relative and a foot in the absolute. That's what I say. It's This is about balance. So... That's it for purpose. I hope it was helpful. I hope that you find this beneficial. Um, as usual, if you have questions, comments, or suggestions, feel free to reach out. I'll always respond. Uh, and as I mentioned before, if you'd like to support the ongoing creation of the Infinite Spark of Being in all of its facets, please do that at theinfinitesparkofbeing.com where there is a link to the Patreon as well as links to books, merch, uh, shirts, tank tops, posters, and as usual, don't forget, you can always reach out and talk to me. We're old friends. Don't be weird about it.